You may not know the name Daniel Webster. If you don't, you might want to go back and refresh your history. Uh, basically, go back into the mid-1800s, and you'll get a, a good feel for the man who served as uh, Secretary of State under three different presidents. He's rated as one of the top five senators ever in American history. He tried over 200 cases in the Supreme Court. He was a man that loved God and loved his country. The reason that we bring history to your mind is to remind you of our heritage. There is a very deliberate attack on the history of this nation. There is a, a cancel culture that wants to destroy all that has brought us the peace, the prosperity, and the favor of God up to this point. But I want you to know that it doesn't take a lot, but it does take some people to make a difference. And one voice becomes an echo of a thousand voices. When you are willing to stand and be heard and not be afraid of the day that you live in. Remember, it's, it's people that show up in media with the loudest voice that tend to get heard. Not the smartest voice, but the loudest voice. So I wanna remind you not to be obnoxious, but to be loving and kind and loud. Amen? Daniel Webster said this, God grants liberty only to those who love it and are ready to guard and defend it. Now think about that. Liberty isn't an automatic gift because you live in America. It is something that has to be guarded and defended each and every day of your life. Do not assume that your children or your children's children will experience the same freedom that you experience today unless you're willing to pay a price. Daniel Webster went on to say, are we of this generation so derelict? Have we so little of the blood of our revolutionary fathers coursing through our veins that we cannot preserve what they have achieved? The world will cry out shame upon us if we show ourselves unworthy. To be the descendants of those great and illustrious men who fought for their liberty and secured it with their posterity by the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution has enemies, secret and professed. They have hot heads and cold hearts. Does us good to remind ourselves that these words were written well over 150 years ago. They are rash, he went on to say, and reckless and fierce for change with no affection for existing institutions of their country. I thought that phrase was so telling. They are rash, reckless, and fierce for change, with no affection for the existing institutions of their country. Proverbs tells us, beware of those who are always pushing for change. You see, there's something to be said about stability, about the foundations upon which our nation is set. Those, uh, there are those in the country who profess in their own words even to hate the Constitution. We see that today with First and Second Amendment under attack. But friends of the Constitution must rally and unite with immovable firmness. Like a band of brothers looking only to the great object set before them, the preservation of the Constitution. 
bequeathed to them by their ancestors. There are those today in Christian circles who would tell us to get out of this whole realm of politics or the Constitution, that we are Christians and we are part of a kingdom that's invisible. That is true, but I remind you that it was Jesus who manifests the kingdom of God in the visible kingdom, that he confronted evil on every hand, that he was willing to call out those who were not sustaining that view of God which would bring liberty in the image of God to mankind. We must do something. Richard Booker said this, there is a great end time spiritual battle taking place. Do you feel it? You can feel it, can't you? Something is happening that's different. Whenever you see the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom shift, and you feel it, you can't put your finger on it, but you know something's happening. You know it's a battle. Not all is well in the spiritual realm. We cannot see it with our physical eyes. It is happening in spiritual realm. We must have spiritual eyes to see it. If you will just pause periodically and say, God, open my eyes to see what's happening in the spiritual realm. Show me, God, that I might understand with my spirit man, that I might be able to understand and discern in my mind and in my heart of hearts what's happening. God will give you glimpses and insight. God always speaks to his children when they call on his name. We must have spiritual eyes to see it. We can know what is taking place by seeing the impact of it on the earth. You see, when you see things changing on the earth, when you say, how did all of this happen so fast, then you know there's something spiritual behind this. There was almost like you can imagine someone ready, a runner at a, at a, lot, at a starting gate, ready to run, and you say, is it ever going, is the race ever gonna start? Well, I want you to know the starter pistol has been shot, and those on the left are determined to run fast toward the goal of the disintegration of the family, of personal property, personal liberties, and they're going to bring attacks on each and every one of us unless we are willing to stand in this day. What is happening in the spiritual realm is manifest physically on the earth. But I got good news. Are you ready for some good news? How many say, I want good news? Amen. The plans of God will prevail. Let me say it again. The plans of God will prevail. I want to take you back to the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers this morning because it is a telling mark in the life of the nation of Israel how God would take a people and he would bring about a fulfillment of a promise that he made to them. In Exodus chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land. Remember, Israel was in the land of Egypt. They were separated from where God had intended them to be. They weren't a nation. They weren't a people. They weren't codified at that point. But God said, I'm going to bring you back into that land, and it says, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, why is that important? Because every time you read a promise from God, you ask yourself this, what's the first application of that? Who is it to? And then how does that affect me? And can I, make, can I get inspirational truth from it? Can I make application in my own personal life? Well, I want you to know that God keeps his promises. Now, it's easy when you don't see the immediate fulfillment of a promise of God to say, well, God, where are you? Well, be patient. God works on a little different calendar than you and I do. 
I don't know about you, but I, I pray and I kind of hope for instant fulfillment, amen? But I've figured out uh, God waits a little bit longer sometimes so things are just right. Now let me fast forward to the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Now let me pause and just tell you the story in case you're not familiar with it. So they're going to go into now to this land flowing with milk and honey, but all of a sudden they said, you know what we better do is we better send spies out so that we understand what's happening. We see how God works in conjunction with not just his hand, but also with his people. He said, I want you to go and give an assessment of what's happening. Tell us, give us a report, spy out the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. Did you notice the promise is, right, is restated in that scripture? I am giving it to you. You can spy it out, but it's yours already. You see, some things in your life you've got to realize they're already yours, but God wants you to see them with a fresh set of eyes so that when you see them with a fresh set of eyes, you step back and go, yes, that was God. That was God. That wasn't me. That was God. And it says, uh, which I am giving to the children of Israel, from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader from among them. So here is God taking these people and says, I want you to go in, and we're going to see the report of what happens, and I want you to come back and give us a good report. The thing that I've come to understand is that, and we've seen it as a church from day one, there is a favor of God on this church that cannot be dismissed. It seems like everything we put our hand to do, God blesses. God, God touches it with a special anointing. And, and we see that. I, I love the words of Robert Morris. He said, the days of a blessed person are filled with divine coincidences and heavenly meaning. You see, you should walk in expectation. You should walk in the expectation that whatever you're following after God, what God is going to do in your life, God is going to bring a heavenly touch, a special divine coincidence, a special favor on your life. Just, just begin to expect it. Never start out your day with, well, I don't know where God is today. I don't know if God loves me, God cares for me. He already told you he did. You say, well, I don't know if that's the will of God. He already wrote it in the Bible. That's the will of God. So now what he wants you to do is play out in your daily life what he's already promised you. So God says, I love you, then live it out. Hey, I get up in the morning, I'm loved of God. God says, you're blessed, I'm blessed. I haven't seen all the blessings yet, but I'm ready for them. I'm looking around for what God is going to do in my life, amen? And then all of a sudden things start to come together and you go, what a divine coincidence. Isn't that amazing how God works? God works in a way that if you will just acknowledge it before it happens, you'll begin to see it happen more and more in your life. Amen? I really believe 2020 was the greatest year in the history of this church. Now, that's saying a lot when you realize what we've been through. I mean, there's something about being thrown down the stairs four times, getting back up and saying, this is the greatest year we've ever had. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean it's not without difficulties and challenges, but I think the blessings of God have been so apparent in everything we've done. Our children's ministry is larger than it's been. We've started a food distribution center. We feed 200 families every Sunday right here on campus. 
We erected a, an outdoor pavilion where we've got uh, plans. We've got a CUP before the city right now for a, a weekday preschool here on campus. We've got another CUP coming to make permanent an outdoor gathering space. I mean, those are all blessings of God that happened because of COVID, right? Not to mention we've got this chaotic political world that gave us an opportunity to start American faith. You see, everything depends on your perspective. How you look at things determine if it's a blessing or a curse. And there are challenges, but guess what? We were designed for challenge. We were designed for battle. We were designed for conflict because all of this is training for our eternal assignment that we have one day from God. You think everything here is just plant, just kind of play, and then we get up to heaven and float around with harps and, you know, we're like little puffy angels? I already got the puffy down. I, I don't got the angel down. But no, God has something, assi divine assignments, and this is spiritual training for an eternal weight of glory that will be revealed one day to us as the sons and daughters of the living God. Amen? Well, let me tell you something else I've learned in life, and that's this one, and that is grasshopper thinking is common. It's easy to think like a grasshopper. Small, down to earth, all you do is eat. Anybody eating a little bit more during COVID? I know we fill up the chairs a little faster now. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. We went into the land where you sent us. Now here's the spies coming back. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, that's like when somebody says, yeah, God's really blessing me, but. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land to the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So what was the report that was coming back from the majority? We can't do this. This is a land where, the, where giants dwell. This is a land where we're not going to win. We shouldn't even try. <clears throat> Whenever you look at your obstacle and they become bigger than your God, then your God has become smaller than your obstacle. God needs to be bigger than every problem you ever had. You need to be able to say, yes, God is in control. God has got this when God is going to do that. Andy Andrews said this, guard your associations carefully. Anytime you tolerate mediocrity in your choice of companions, you become more comfortable with mediocrity in your own life. Who are you associating with? Who are you getting your information from? If they're always telling you what's wrong, you need new companions. You say, well, I'm just trying to fix them. Yeah, that's not working. You see, I want you to know that when you begin to find yourself in the circle of those who are discouraging and defeated and negative and not people of faith, you will become all of those things. You need to have associations that pump up your faith, that make you strong, that make you courageous, that speak truth out and are not afraid. I'm telling you what, when I hear one person being courageous, I get more courageous, don't you? When I, you know, Billy Graham put it like this, when the spine of one man is strengthened, it strengthens the spine of a thousand men. You see, we need to be strengthened in these days. 
We need to quiet our fears and stand with courage. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and look what he said. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You know what I love about that? He heard the negative report, and he dismissed it. Have you ever entered into those conversations with people, and they're, they're telling how bad everything is? And before long, you've got a bad story. And the men are worse at this. <clears throat> you know, men, they love a story of how they failed, how they got taken advantage of, the car that they owned at one time, and boy, they bought it for $600, and now it's worth $6 million. It always goes up in price, by the way, with every story, just so you know that. They'll say, oh, that's nothing. You think you've got it bad. And they're always one-upping it. No, here's what he says. You know what? I'm not even going to enter into the conversation about the land that you're talking about here. It says, let's go up at once. Let's not even delay. And take possession, for we are well able. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Have you said that in this season? What are we going to do with what's happening in the political realm? What are we going to do with what's happening in media or big tech or big pharma? What are we going to do? You're going to open your mouth. You're not going to give up, and you're going to win. You're going to win. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. The land which we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now, what does that mean? I guess that means you're walking down the road and it just sucks you down into the ground. The ground itself is devouring inhabitants. Huh. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. In other words, they were all tall. We're short. Now, what are we going to do about that problem? There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. What did they say? We are going to think like a grasshopper instead of a giant. You remember little David when he went up against Goliath? He didn't have grasshopper thinking, did he? He had giant thinking. He looked at, at, at Goliath and said, this guy is too big to miss. That's the biggest target I've ever had. I've been slinging stones at lions and bears and rabbits and squirrels. I'm telling you, I only need one stone with this guy. Well, you say, why did he pick up five? He picked up five because Goliath had four brothers. And we know brothers always get involved in the other guy's mess. He took one stone, remember that? He took the sling, and he, he struck him right in the forehead, and he fell to the ground, but he wasn't dead. He went over, he picked up the sword of Goliath and cut off his own head, cut off his head with his own sword. And then he carried it back to town. Now what's interesting is it wasn't the stone that killed him, it was his own sword. You see, here's how God works. God takes, watch this, the weapons of the enemy and he turns them on themselves. That's why God says, you want to see the salvation of the Lord, stand, stand therefore, and watch what I can do. Let me show you what I can do when I get involved in your situation. I'll turn the weapons of the enemy against themselves so they cannot prosper. And it says here, they saw the, they were giants, and, and all, guess what? There's giants in our day. There's giant tech. We say, what are we going to do against giant tech? Well, I remember it hasn't been that long ago where 
the news got out that Bill Gates was going to, wanted to insert a chip and into it a vaccine so that we could then become transhuman. Well, word got out on it, and guess what? That slowed it all down, didn't it? They said, well, wait a minute. Do you mean he wants? Yeah, that's right. So we're going we're gonna to put an end to that. You see, when you raise your voices, 46% of the people that were surveyed said Bill Gates is out of his mind. I'd like to vote on that one, too. I'll go 47 if that needs to be. But you see, what about Big Pharma? We've got all these questions about what's happening at the vaccine today. Should we take it? I get asked this five or six times, it seems like, every week, every Sunday. Should I take the vaccine? Should I shouldn't take the vaccine? Well, I can just tell you this right now. At this point, everything is too early for anyone to jump into that game unless you just feel super comfortable. I can't make a decision for you. I can only tell you what I'm going to do, and that's right at this point, I'm not taking the vaccine. I'm not judging you if you do. I'm not judging you if you support it. I'm just saying that you as an individual human being on planet Earth as a part of the United States, you get to make decisions about your life. That's what it means when it says the Constitution, we the people. Amen? We the people. Let me just read something from Joy Pullman, who wrote in The Federalist. She wrote, non-governmental social credit system like that employed by communist China, which economically and socially punishes people for wrong think. You see, do you feel like you're living in a world where you're being punished for thinking wrongly? Thinking about things like liberty and freedom, freedom of speech, it appears that the global oligarchs have decided not only to collude with China's totalitarian control over its society, but to export that social control to formerly free nations such as the United States. You can expect more of this. I love this story. PBS attorney Michael Beller made this comment. He said, we go for all the Republican voters. He's trying to say what we're going to do now that we're the Democrats are in power, and Homeland Security will take their children away and will put them in, that is, Trump-supporting children, in a re-education camp. Hmm. Well, apparently, after uh, Veritas got a hold of this story and kind of pressed it, PBS came out with this statement. Their employee no longer works for PBS. Don't think you can't get involved and make changes. I love the shot they took at him, too, as a mid-level staff attorney. They could have just said an attorney, but they took a little shot at him, too. You know, he was really nobody. He just mid-level. He did not speak on behalf of our organization, nor did he make any editorial decisions. There is no place for hateful rhetoric at PBS. Good, well, remember that. And this individual's views in no way reflect the values and opinions. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. Let me take you to Numbers chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. If the Lord delights in us. How many of you want the Lord to delight in you? Amen? Hey, guess what? He does. You're his children. He delights in you. He said, well, I did this and did that. I know. He knows that. But he still delights in you because you're a son or a daughter of the living God. And he will bring us into this land and give it to us. God says, I didn't tease you with this American experiment to let it all fall apart. 
I wanted to put a challenge before every generation to preserve the liberty of a nation and propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only in America, but around the world. He said, he's going to give us a land that flows with milk and honey. Not only do, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people. So what are the two things we need to do? Don't rebel against God and don't fear people. Don't fear people. I have to tell you this story. I was sitting outside of Bodie Leaf this week uh, with one of our security guys, and uh, we were just sitting there talking, and a man walked out of the coffee shop, and he began to cuss at me, which, you know, I mean, I always appreciate a good cussing out, you know? I, I didn't really know what I did, though, and I'm sitting there, and, and he's just going off, and he's using words that I can't repeat in here, uh, only adjectives that would be used by my my colonel father, and uh, he began to just say things, and, and he said, and I couldn't even follow it, and the man I was sitting with looked at me, he goes, you know this guy? I said, never seen him in my life, and uh, he just went on, he said, he just kept saying stuff, and I, I have to admit, I got a little bit, I responded a few times, <laughs> but not unkindly. I just said, oh boy, you're really a treat on, on a Monday morning here, aren't you? You know, love hanging around with you, and you know, he just got worse, and then he, he spit on the ground. I spit on the ground for you, and, and I go, eh, you know, it's kind of weird, you know? So anyway, I, I just, you know, I mean, it went on, and I looked over at my friend. I said, you have your gun, right? And he said, yeah, I got it. <laughs> he backed out. He rolled down his window. I wanted to take one last shot and gave me another good cussing, and and then somebody followed behind and rolled a lady rolled down her, her window of her SUV, and she said, well, I guess we have more people to pray for him now, don't we? And so apparently, I don't know whether she knew him, didn't know him. Uh, and then I walked over to, an, to get in my car, and another guy said to me, he was just watching, he said, what was that all about? I said, I don't know. He said, that guy is insane. But let me tell you what, it, what occurred to me was happening. The presence of God in your life do not be surprised if it brings out the worst in some people. What you don't want to let happen is let the worst in you become evident to other people. There was no way that I was going to suck up and act like it was okay, but there was no way I was going to be unkind or unchristian. And if we had to throw down, so be it. I got the gun in my corner, so we're all good. <laughs> Amen? Here's a couple of thoughts I want to give you, a couple of suggestions. Number one, position yourself for a miracle, not an escape. Position yourself for a miracle, not an escape. God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I just ask you to intervene. I ask you to bring a miracle in this situation. Secondly, Accept the challenge that God has ordained for your life. These are challenging days. God knows that. You think he accidentally positioned you in this generation? He's ordained your steps and your days. He's trusted you with the challenges of 21 and 20. He's given you that opportunity. He says, would you just believe me for this? Would you trust me for this? Would you allow me to just to take you and thrust you forward in a kingdom assignment that goes way beyond what you could ever imagine? And don't think that has to be something that 
that reaches the headlines or somehow is just so big and so, no. You know what a kingdom assignment can be? Loving your children and teaching them to walk in the ways of God. Raise up a generation of children who love God. Teach them the dangers of what's happening in the world and the power of God in the midst of it. How about going to work, being the best employee because you love God? Being the best in that company. How about interacting with your community in such a way that you bring forth the light of God? You don't hide anything that God has shown you, but you deliver it in such a way that's winsome and draws people into the kingdom and not repels them from the kingdom. Amen? That's what we can do, amen? That's your assignment. Are you willing to take it? Are you willing to accept it? Amen. Well, I want you to know all those assignments begin with salvation. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've not come to faith in him, then today needs to be the day of salvation for you. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord, and watch this, will be saved. There's a promise. They will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, you will be saved. So I don't know where you stand with God. You say, well, I I hope I'm saved. Well, I want you to leave here with I know I'm saved, faith. So I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me like this one right now, right where you stand or sit. If you're outside, online, or in this house, pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, just pray it right out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were buried, rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and save me. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. If that was your prayer, just thank him for saving you. And now let's pursue God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. Amen. Amen.